Um, L A B I. Yeah. Y. Nope. I L A B I. Yep. A. Yeah. That's that's, that's all it, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Labia. <laughs> labia. Can you use it in a sentence for me? <laughs> I looked at her delicate labia. <laughs> what is up? This is remarks. This is remarks. Uh, the podcast where we start our show with a re- with a piece of a reproductive organ, pretty um, much, such as balls and or labia. Yeah, or like. I guess I guess uh, jizz would be like the oh, like a byproduct, a byproduct of <laughs> a reproductive organ, so, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. So like, it's all in that area. Yes, pretty much anything to do with like the crotch, crotch area, yeah. but like yeah. maybe some titties. You know, who doesn't love a pair of titties? I've never met a single person I... of any sexual orientation. Yeah, who doesn't love a good pair of titties? Like. Even if you're not like, wow, I want to like do sexy things to those titties, you yeah. can look at titties and be like, damn, like, wow. Like, hell yeah. Like, nice. okay, good For titties. Sure. Like, great. <laughs> good. Solid. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. I'm having a great time. Like, yeah, all around. Viewing these yeah. titties. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I feel that way. Uh, yeah. I mean, pretty much in, in like about all, all titties. Oh, yeah. Women titties. Man titties, non-binary titties. Like, all the titties. All of them. I'm, yeah. I'm here for them. Everybody's titties. Yeah. Which is why everybody should just whip them out. Yes. Exactly. We should be able to just have our titties at all times. True. I went hiking the other day, and I take nudes every time I'm in nature, because why wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, they have to. And then, so I had my top off, and I was just like, God, I just want to, like, continue this hike with no top on. Yeah. It's so fucking nice. Oh, for sure. Like, ugh. And why does so my dumb. chest fat have to be illegal? True. And like super sexualized for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's unforged. It is unforged. But anyway, What's this is remarks. Yeah. What's not unfortunate <laughs> is that my name is Taylor. <laughs> and I'm Phoebe. We're talking about art. We are. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This is another Art of the Revolution episode, yeah. by the way. Uh, I'm sure you heard the, You heard the intro. Yeah. Which we haven't heard the intro yet because I do that in post. <laughs> <laughs> a little behind the scenes tip exactly, for you. Yeah. <laughs> Fix it in post. <laughs> I don't think I said titties with an articulation. Can you just fix that in post? I can like put like a little bit of reverb on yeah. it. Like titties, titties. T- yeah. <laughs> titties. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Someday we'll do like add like sound effects and shit. Yeah, I want to get like a little soundboard. Oh my god, we have to. And then yeah, at least I mean we'll for sure have an air horn sound because we do that. <laughs> we so do much. that on our own. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I'll take it away to yeah. begin with. Uh, we're talking about art, uh, specifically art that we saw at the MoMA mm-hmm. when we were in San Diego, sorry, San Francisco. San Francisco um, how long ago was that? That was, was that October of last year? I think so. Yeah. I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. God, that was a good trip. What think a great about trip. It all the time. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Taylor and I were the definitely the slowest museum walkers in the group because we were true. like, I want to enjoy everything as much as possible. I wanted to read all of the plaques. Same. and like, I'm a plaque reader. I know. Me too. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was the thing we were the slowest at. I was for sure 
I took a good while in the anarchist bookstore too. I was oh like my gosh. reading the back of every book. It was so amazing. <laughs> was I so was fun. like weirdly. You were kind of sick. I got like, right? yeah, I don't know what happened to me. I just, I think I was like, didn't drink enough water or something that yeah. day. But yeah, I got fucking sick in the anarchist bookstore. So I had I to go know. sit outside and breathe some fresh air. Which makes which sense. I was so bummed out about. It was kind of hot too, if it I recall. It was a little hot. But yeah. we'll go back. We'll go we back. We'll go back for sure. Anyway. anyway. Uh, so, political art and propaganda is a powerful tool when used to organize and unite an oppressed group of people. We tend to have a negative view of propaganda these days because of all the ways it's used to control people by governments and ill-intentioned actors. Uh, this is not the case, however, with all political art and propaganda. Um, again, the term propaganda, it has a negative connotation now because of like all the bad propaganda, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily a bad term just like political art that is pushing a message you know sure um a few months ago we went to the moma or the museum of modern art in san francisco and saw a collection of art created by the black panthers for their magazine and posters to spread awareness of their message as well as to organize and unite other black folks from around the country before we jump into it yes the art let's give a little context The Black Panthers were a far-left American political party that lasted from 1966 to 1982 and would not only arm themselves with weapons to defend themselves from racism and police brutality, but also used art in the form of pamphlets, posters, and the newspaper, The Black Panther, to spread awareness. The art of the Black Panthers was guided by Emery Douglas, who was the Minister of Culture for the party. Based. Mm -hmm. It was based as fuck. Yeah. Douglas was incarcerated in the 50s and early 60s at the Youth Training School in Ontario, California. Mm, love that it's called a school. Yeah, the Youth, uh, the youth Training, training school. school. That yeah. really, just, <laughs> that just comforts me. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. sure that there was not any bad things that happened Mm-mm. there. Which side tangent, I was just listening to a Truanon episode where they were talking to a native person about the schools in Canada, you know, like yeah, uh, yep. a couple years ago or maybe <clears throat> last year, they found like all of these kids' body. Anyway, yeah, but like it, it, it's imprisonment, but it was these schools, you know, yeah. disguised schools to like genocide Native American people, or Pretty much, I guess, Indigenous people because that was Canada. Anyway, please continue your story. Eh, Native North American, but yeah, true. Um, but yeah, just. There's so many situations where things are called school, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a prison. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. a torture prison. Well, and it is basically, I know with those ones, is basically like you either uh, act, you know, white or you yeah. don't. Or like you, you know, either die or we make you act white. Yeah, exactly. Like that's exactly. The whole idea. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty bad. Um, but anyway, so uh, Douglas, he was uh, incarcerated as a teenager. While being incarcerated, he got involved with the printing shop at the youth facility and took an interest in graphic design. Mm. He would later go on to study graphic design at the San Francisco City College. He was also, or he would also take an interest in the Black Arts Movement, which was the artistic branch uh, branch of the Black Power Movement. <laughs> that was moonshine. She's fighting under the door. Hey, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Stop it. My uh, roommate's cat Dorian and Moonshine like to like to tussle, mm-hmm. oh. as you can see. Oh jeez. <laughs> okay. All right, Moonshine. <laughs> we're having, can't you see we're doing a podcast? We're a Moonshine? little bit see, girl. Come on. Anyway, his art and activism caught the eye of Bobby Seal, the co-founder of the Black Panther Party, 
From here, Douglas would go on to create most, if not all, of the art we're going to see and discuss today, as well as inspire a whole generation of young black activist artists. And we will get into it. But, of course, with... uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, with art, we do have to view the photos. That is true. All right. So the first one that we have coming up is... uh, Actually is a kind of a two two for one deal, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Power to the People, All Power to the People. There was one that we had seen in the MoMA, mm-hmm. and then there was another one that was like very similar in its like attributes. Let me find it. There we go. So this was the first one. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's one of the ones you sent me. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one that looked like so. Oh, so wow. very similar. And this one we didn't see at the MoMA, but again, it was kind yeah, of the that's, same. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so this, to describe it to you, this uh, actually contains two. Um, it depicts a police officer who is a pig or a farm animal surrounded by a group of people holding guns at the officer. The text on both images says all power to the people. I was actually able to find a New York Times article interviewing Douglas himself about some of his art pieces. So what better source than the artist himself to tell us about these photos? Amazing. Douglas said Newton and Bobby Seale would come to San Francisco. So those are the leaders Mm -hmm. of uh, Henry Newton and Bobby Seale would come to San Francisco and they would have run-ins with the police. And as I'm sure you can imagine, that it wasn't very cool or fun for them to run into the police in uh, the 1960s. They began calling people, or the they began calling the police pigs, and asked Douglas to translate that sentiment into art form. Douglas states he turned the pig into a cultural iconic symbol of police, and it's still what is used today yeah. to refer to police. Is that's pigs. crazy. That's kind of where it started. Like, can you imagine? I mean, the impact that you <clears throat> that he has had. That's mm-hmm. fucking crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, this is a direct quote from Douglas. Out of their conversations about the police came the definition of a pig, a no-nation beast that has no regard for the rights, the law, or justice, and bites the hand that feeds it. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of what he said... Yeah, what he said about creating these pieces of art. And, of course, all these pieces of art will be on the Instagram. Yeah, oh, absolutely. the uh, Twitter. We won't leave y'all blind. Definitely not. <laughs> but you can also look them up right now. It's true. Because it, if you do, like, Black Panthers, all power to the people, you'll, you'll get see these it. art pieces. Yeah. Um, the next one we have, let me pull this one up, is one of my faves. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this next photo is a picture of a black soldier crying while he's he while on his military helmet we see a collage of police brutality against yeah. black people that was happening in America. There is a picket sign above him that reads our fight is not in Vietnam and some text to the side that says free the GIs. Mm-hmm. This of course uh went to show the struggle against abuse, murder and lynchings that uh or went to show that the struggle against all those things was not caused by the Vietnamese people and the Vietnam Wars was not theirs to be fighting when black folks were fighting their own war back in the country that they were deployed, Mm -hmm. that they were deployed from. Douglas says the tears symbolize the pain and suffering he heard from those in the struggle or in the military. This was of course meant to capture the sad reality of drafting and deploying black men to fight for 
the supposed freedom of another country <laughs> while they are being treated as second class citizens by the very state that they are supposed to be sacrificing themselves right. for. Yeah. Which like I don't know, yeah, like this one is probably one of my favorites of yeah. these pieces just because it's so like poignantly points out like how fucked up it is to be like, yeah, go fight and die for us. Yes. When you don't even have rights in our country or right. you're again viewed as a second class citizen right. in our own country. I mean, it's just another form of slavery. Exactly. Yeah. Did you talk about the piece that we saw with like the draft card that 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 um it was kind of a more like oh, modern piece? I actually did not. Okay, but I mean that's fine. If you want to talk, bring it up. Um so we saw this piece that was like this um guy had made with his draft card in it. Oh my gosh. Let me see if I can quickly find it. Um, I think you did send me the picture though. I did. Oh, that's right. I totally mm-hmm. did. We so can find it right there right quickly. There. Um, but anyway, and it, it was just like, oh, here it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, you can see like peeled away. There's a draft card. It's on, I think it's on a vinyl record. Um, it's like etched a circular. Aluminum. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then it's a picture of like, this black man sort of reaching towards the card anyway um but so this it it was his draft card that he got for the vietnam war um and so it's like him and his brother and they're reaching towards you and this piece of leather is like shaped like a tombstone and then he's like flipping off the draft card and it says the draft card, the name on it says John Doe. And then like the amount of time that it's the person is serving says forever. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. I just remember both you and I were like standing like, in front crazy. of that thing for forever. Yeah. We'll post a picture of that one as well. Because, oh, yeah. God, that was a amazing was a piece. really good one. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. And it's just like it's one of those things that like, you know about. But just seeing like the artwork, especially from black people who were around mm-hmm. at the time is like very poignant and you're yeah. just like wow like it i don't know it just hits different when totally. you like see it and you're like oh yeah that was pretty fucked up that was like yeah <laughs> kind of kind of insane and it's still here still happening still for sure happening i guess yeah. not drafted but i mean they, forced in other ways yeah exactly i mean they prey on mm-hmm. low-income communities mm-hmm. so but yeah so Anyway, uh, the next one we have is a, it's called New Era, Same Voice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was me beatboxing. Beatboxing the dead air. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just uh, something to like keep you entertained, right? (laughs) Um, So this art depicts a group of black people armed with guns in a sort of militia shooting at a bunch of pigs running away. Mm from them with the text seize the time written above it uh or written above the altercation there's also a picket sign seen among the militia and the the caption on the new york times article says new era same voice this piece might have been called seize the time Mm -hmm. Uh, it didn't say specifically um but douglas stated that the struggle of the movement needed a sense of urgency uh, the black people in America could be wiped out at any time mm-hmm. and the oppression could continue to get worse. So he was portraying the need to stand up and fight right now, mm-hmm. not waiting for somebody else to do it or to organize it, but to stand up and fight back against the corrupt state at this very moment. He also was depicting that even ordinary members would be or could be heroes and take action, um, which is why you see like lots of different kinds of like weapons that are mm-hmm. that are being held 
you know, there's guns, there's knives, there's a picket sign, there's a torch. Um, and then there's a bunch of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Like there's women, there's some children, there's, you know, an adult black man. So it's, you know, kind of saying like everybody needs to, to stand up and fight this fight. Mm-hmm. Like we're stronger together, obviously. Um, but yeah, so I think the inclusion of the different kinds of weapons and even the picket sign are showing even though that each individual has different means of what they can do in a revolution, all are needed for that revolution to be successful. Each has a job and a role to play, and that's why we see a variety of people from different ages with different weapons all fighting back against, mm-hmm. again, the pigs obviously being police in yeah. that scenario. Yeah. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, very good stuff. <laughs> um... On to something a little less intense. <laughs> we have another one that we specifically saw at the MoMA, mm-hmm. which was the free breakfast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, this one's pretty simple. It depicts a young black child eating breakfast at a table uh, with the text breakfast for children in one corner and the text, if it wasn't for Huey, there wouldn't be a free breakfast for children program mm. um, as like a quote there. The Black Panthers were known for many things, but a huge part of what they did was community outreach programs. One of these programs was a free breakfast program for tens of thousands of children throughout the nation before they went off to school. I saw some quotes saying that it uh, was the first time that some of the children had ever eaten breakfast in their entire lives. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, again, the nature of the poverty that was uh, around at that time. Yeah. Um, Now, Phoebe... (laughs) Yes, Taylor. Would you say that giving free breakfast to children is generally a good thing? (laughs) Yeah, I would say that's a pretty good thing. (laughs) Like like a nice and kind (laughs) act that shouldn't make anyone mad? Yeah. Well, Mr. J. Edgar Hoover, leader of the FBI, would disagree with you. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Um, He called the program, and I quote, Potentially the greatest threat to the efforts by authorities to neutralize the Black Panther Party. <laughs> oh my god. The greatest threat was giving kids breakfast. Little kids eating breakfast. Yeah, good stuff. <clears throat> In All some right. states, agents even went door to door telling people that the free breakfast program would teach their kids to be racist. What? Because the Black Panthers ran it. Or that the food was infected with venereal disease. <laughs> I which, like I'm genuinely speechless. It's insane. Um, oh my god. Which of course played into the stereotype of uh, black people being promiscuous and diseased mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also you know, unclean in that way, but of yeah. course none of that ever happened or was real. Yes. Food was perfectly fine. Yes. There was no major issues with it. No, they're <laughs> fucking feeding kids so that feeding they kids breakfast. can live and go to school and like actually learn because they're not starving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a, uh, you know, other <sighs> testimonies of teachers and people saying like, yeah, literally the kids were a million times better in yeah. school, could focus, didn't have hunger pains, weren't yes. screaming and upset. Like, and it's, oh it's like, obviously if you're eating, a meal and you're not hungry you're gonna be able to do better in school like mm-hmm. that's just makes sense mm-hmm. right like and like i mean the most important meal of the fucking day it's exactly. not false that is a true it's, thing it's real it's real oh my god yeah so uh fbi cool cool guys great institution <laughs> <laughs> love it favorite um three-letter <laughs> institution 
Close second is the CIA. Oh, for sure. Because we love that. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, sometimes it's funny. We should <laughs> we should do an episode of like FBI versus CIA to see who's done <laughs> more insane shit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because yeah. they've both done so much insane shit. They're so like, crazy. They like, just like do whatever they want and whatever they want is like the weirdest is the weirdest thing most unhinged shit and it's like how did you think this was like productive yeah right exactly so like uh (laughs) the song louis louis by i think it's called the kingsman it's one of my favorite stories to tell it's louis louis yeah that one um he fucking the fbi the way that he sung like it's like really gargled you can't really hear it uh-huh. and parents started reporting that the song was uh had like profanity in it oh my god so the fbi did a two year long <laughs> investigation into the song louis louis <laughs> by the kingsman that that version specifically oh my god. um and the funniest part about it is eventually they were like okay there's not any profanity in the song mm-hmm. and it like became this big cultural like you know scare about this song or whatever mm-hmm. but it, the funniest part about it is in the background the drummer does drop his drumstick and says fuck <laughs> at one point and it's like you can't really hear it it's like you know very much in the background yeah but there was actual like a, a profanity in the song that's quote really unquote. funny which like is funny because i'm like i wonder if like old ass fbi agents heard like music today if they'd just like die immediately uh, yeah on impact yeah for sure (laughs) just keel over and fucking die we should also talk about the satanic panic at some point and like how people would be like playing records backwards and it says i love the devil or whatever we should talk about that because that's super interesting it's so crazy yeah for sure um but you know what doesn't play records backwards (laughs) and accuse preschool teachers of uh sacrificing children to mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. devil uh mm-hmm. for satanic rituals that turns into a giant witch hunt that mm-hmm. ruins the lives of multiple people mm-hmm. um uh is it the fine people at anchor podcast <laughs> it absolutely is it's also by uh white claw white claw no laws when you're drinking claws mm-hmm. the only uh the only seltzer that 100% of anarchists recommend. Absolutely. Because there are no laws. <laughs> we are having the um, watermelon flavor today. True. Cheers by the mic for the... Uh... <laughs> it doesn't really <laughs> make a good sound. Well. <laughs> well, anyway. Well. We're having White Claws, you guys. White Claws, don't cheer well. <laughs> Anchor, not sacrificing babies that we know of. Exactly. And, um, and um, listening to this ad. Enjoy it. All righty, we are back. Back. We're talking about um, so many things. A lot of things. <laughs> we actually. got a lot in over the got break. Got a lot of things. Phoebe's, uh, Phoebe's BF Daniel mysterious character daniel yeah uh didn't know that there was a bisexual flag no idea no idea i sent him a meme including the bisexual which he's a he's a bisexual by the way for the record um and i sent him a meme with the bisexual flag and he goes wait i don't get it what kind of flag is that and i'm like bitch it's yours it's literally (laughs) yours it's mine it's ours (laughs) 
<laughs> and then he was like, oh my god, how many flags are there? And I was like, there's for like pretty much every single... Anything, yeah, anything, basically. Any, anything under that LGBTQ... AI... Plus, 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 cetera, plus. yeah. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Anyway, uh, back to our vibes here. Yeah. <laughs> so, this photo, the next one we have is Arming the People. Yes. I think I kind of just named it because it doesn't really have a name, but... This photo. I feel like that's a good name. Yeah. This photo is of a black man holding a machine gun of some kind with the text next to it that reads, Our people's army should be built up into a revolutionary force equipped with indefatigable, I think is the word. Okay. It's spelled I-N-D-E-F-A-T-I-G-A-B-L-E. I don't know that I actually know that word at all. Me neither. To be quite honest. Indefatigable spirit of fighting through thick and thin for the party and the people into an iron army, each member of which is a match for a hundred enemies. Shit. Is what it says there. So another key mission of the Black Panthers was to arm its people in defense of racism and police brutality. Mm-hmm. In 1967, 30 members of the party protested on the steps of the California State House armed with 3.375 Magnums, 12-gauge shotguns, and 45 caliber pistols. Excuse me. And announced that it was time for black people to arm themselves. This, of course, got white racist old guys shitting their pants <laughs> and led directly to Ronald Reagan signing the Mulford Act in California, this act banned the open carry of loaded firearms and banned open carrying altogether at the state capitol building. So, oh, Ronald. Big uh, conservative icon Ronald Reagan <laughs> passed huge gun control laws when black people had guns. Yeah, that sounds right. Sounds about right. The last one that I was going to talk about that I uh, didn't really write anything for, I just didn't get around to it so we're we're going off the cuff here uh is this photo which is a picture of a black man with a injury to his head it seems standing in a jail cell while other pictures of black people are outside of the jail cell and there's a cockroach on the wall Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and this was another one we saw at the actual moment yeah and uh, the text above it says why must black people look at each other through prison bars where is our freedom And, you know, again, you probably can kind of deduce this yourself, but there was a lot of black people who were imprisoned unjustly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and not only imprisoned unjustly, but were targeted way more than white people would have ever been targeted. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, racial profiling and different things like that that police love to do. And uh, even, you know, back then before, like, the quote unquote, like mass incarceration started, uh, you know, black people were still disproportionately mm-hmm. criminalized for things that, again, white people did just as much. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, things that they were framed for. So Right. Well, and especially if you had any kind of involvement in the Black Panther Party. I mean, you could oh, be the yeah. fucking guy feeding free breakfast to the kid and you're arrested. Yeah, the FBI is telling people that you're <laughs> spreading venereal oh, disease. Like, So, yeah, I mean, it pretty fucked up. And, yeah. again, I we were talking about it before the episode, but, like, Phoebe's story is a little bit on the bummer side of town. (laughs) Yeah, at least, yeah, in the sense of, like, the way that 
political art has kind of been co-opted into this like liberal <laughs> do nothing sort of sense yeah. yeah versus like the pieces that taylor's mm-hmm. talking about are like direct action pieces you know yeah and that's and what i had kind of said before is like the black panthers made art off of what they were doing in yes. the community yes not trying to inspire people to do something in the community totally yeah and i think that that's like that's like the order it should be in is like do something and make the art about it right. to get people like to grow awareness of what you're doing mm-hmm. versus make the art in the hopes that it gets someone to do something right you know right because it's like if you were inspired enough to want to make art about this maybe you could help help whoever you're helping happen? i don't know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so but yeah again all these pictures will be on our instagram Absolutely. and our twitter uh, so you can view them yourselves but yeah and i just suggest like look up some of the black panther magazine totally. art because it's again really poignant stuff and like it's nice to know that like oh they were actually like doing things yeah um and you know even though the fbi literally was fucking them up constantly which is another thing another fucking side tangent is like whenever an oppressed group literally tries to like create their own space and their own like yeah you know community outside because they're like oh the government doesn't like us or want us here so we're gonna go and create our own community Mm -hmm. then the government's like actually uh you're doing too well so we're gonna fuck you up a little bit so you're not allowed to have anything exactly it's it happened with the fucking black panthers it happened with uh fucking stonewall like you know again it was a gay bar Mm -hmm. and police started fucking shit up and then they they were like yeah we're gonna riot like yeah in a gay bar a place where they have specifically set aside to be like this is where we go because you hate us like it's so fucking fucking seneca valley it happened in tulsa like again and again and again these people are saying okay we will segregate ourselves (laughs) here's a space we've made no you're not allowed you're not allowed to do that you're not allowed to live in the society that we currently have you're not allowed to make your own Mm -hmm. basically they want you all dead. Basically, which fuck is you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's so frustrating. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I, will... I wasn't even there. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. I will say another thing, too, when we were looking at, like, the ones that were kind of more, like, postery um, mm-hmm. of this art in the MoMA, it, like, it just gave me fucking chills because it looks exactly like some of the protest posters that you, that came up, like, in 2020. Like, yeah. exactly. Especially... Um, there was like a local print company or not even company, local print like collective in Salt Lake mm-hmm. called Local Propagandists who was making a lot of um, the posters for the rallies in 2020 that look so similar to these posters that the Black Panthers made. And it's just like, yeah. fuck, dude. Nothing has changed. Not a goddamn Not a thing. single thing has fucking. We've had no it's, movement yeah. forward. It's so insane. It's so insane. And. I don't know. It's like it's it's like what you had said about uh, when we were doing that one episode on NWA mm-hmm. and how they were like, it's kind of a bummer that our song "Fuck the Police" is still relevant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like the same exactly. thing. It's like it's a bummer that like this artwork is still so impactful because mm-hmm. the same struggle is still being fought. Exactly fucking 60 years later like it's crazy yeah it's yeah i don't know i know and it's like 
and and again that's what's so frustrating about when like the government cracks down so hard on Mm -hmm. like the black panthers or the fucking protests in 2021 or no 2020 yeah is like people are trying to set up their own system their own way of doing something Mm -hmm. or you know again protest for a change and then it gets squashed by the state like super i mean it was insane the way that they like clamped down on the on the protests like yeah oh my I god i mean in portland they had like they were white vanning yes. people off the streets like i mean they called the national guard to salt lake and yeah. our protests were not even that crazy mm-hmm. like nothing compared to what they were exactly. doing in other states it's, so it's like i mean literally the first the first big like black lives matter in 2020 protests that we had here in utah mm-hmm. the next day the national guard was out everywhere in Salt Lake it's so fucking insane Uh, yeah which is why also it's frustrating what I'm about to talk about is like this like virtue signaling fucking shit that people are doing where it's like this is a waste of time (laughs) it's not doing anything yeah yeah Mm. oh it's frustrating and again it's just the because even like some of the peaceful protests and you know I've been to I was talking to you Mm -hmm. about this over the week like even some of the peaceful protests I've been to um this week earlier in my protesting life like Mm -hmm. a lot of them it's just like they they like do these things like they do these demonstrations which is great and i love being there in solidarity but they're just very like worried about bothering people Mm -hmm. you know like they say like there's comments about like oh like we don't want to disrupt this thing and i'm like isn't that the point of why we're here is is a disruption right like isn't that what we're doing and i mean we don't need to get too into how some of those maybe are organized by ops, but it's potential. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, but anyway, (laughs) anyway, it's just, it it frustrated me a little bit because I was like, I think everybody's safety is great, but at the same time we're here to be mad about something. right? Right. Like, and if we're following the rules and not, causing a ruckus then we're basically not doing anything at all exactly exactly (laughs) and that's what's like so frustrating to me Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm -hmm. agreed so full agree uh the moral of this episode cause a ruckus (laughs) (laughs) exactly you know make art make it uh loud make it loud and i don't know there was like this a friend said this to me once and i feel like it's stuck in my head but it's like the only way your art will ever mean anything is if you set it on fire or something like that. Whoa. And I was like, oh, shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's very, very <laughs> profound. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Wow. So. Damn. There you go. Love that. Well, let's talk about some art that certainly was not on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not on fire. Uh, um, so, yeah, as Taylor said, we're talking about pieces that we saw with our own eyes um, at the Museum of Modern Art in San Francisco. Um, So they had an entire section that was based around immigration, and then they had, like, a section of that section that were um, pieces focused on the border wall between the United States and Mexico. So before I get into some of the pieces I saw, I want to give a little history on, quote-unquote, the wall. Um, We're definitely going to do an episode in the future on the horrors of what the U.S. has done and continues to do to Mexico. But for now, (laughs) we will just focus on where this wall came from. So after wars with Mexico after land and James K. Polk's belief in the so-called manifest destiny. Love it. mm, So good. (laughs) 
Mexico eventually was forced by the U.S. to surrender a massive amount of land that is now all of California, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, and Utah, and parts of Colorado, Wyoming, Oklahoma, and Kansas. Mm -hmm. Um, This is obviously a huge mass of land and a big loss for the Mexicans. This land seizure formed the new U.S.-Mexico border, and this is where the growth of the wall begins. So... Following the Mexican-American Wars, the passage of Mexicans and Americans across the respective border was actually not very restricted. Um, Everyone could pass freely across, and it wasn't until Chinese immigrants began attempting to cross the border, again, story for another time, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) that the U.S. started to crack down on immigration and border restrictions. So before the Chinese people and immigrants started to to cross over, could you say that us in Mexico were manifest bestinies. <laughs> I hate it. Sorry, I had to. I thought of it and I had to say it. <laughs> we were, I mean, maybe. There was a lot, you know. Maybe not bestinies. A lot of murder, but, but like there manifest, was less like, chiller than it is now. Maybe? Manifest situationship. Like, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, I just I re- I just thought of manifest bestinies and I like had to say it. <laughs> had to get it, it so out. It was like bursting it was, out Yeah, of so I had to like shoehorn it somewhere no i loved it (laughs) um and so it wasn't until in world war one a telegram between germany and mexico that suggested an alliance between the two countries caused the u.s to freak out a little bit um and this is where we saw the creation of the first sort of border patrol it was texas rangers and soldiers who were assigned to guarding the border between the two countries However, it wasn't until 1993 when friend of the pod, Busy Clizzlers. <laughs> ah, Busy Clizzlers. A.K.A. the man who literally cannot st- stop harassing women or cheating on his wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's impossible. He literally physically cannot like stop It's like breathing doing it. for him. Yeah. He just like has to, but like, he has to be creepy and use his yeah. like power imbalance to sleep with uh young secretaries mm-hmm. or he'll like die <laughs> or his heart will stop <laughs> um he became president and felt the pressure to ramp up the war on drugs and the need to be tough on crime and that is when we saw the first official fences go up between mexico and the u.s 14 miles of fence went up between san diego and tijuana and then in 2006 under george w the secure fence act of 2006 was signed he claimed that this fence, it's so bad. He claimed that this fence would, quote, help the American people, would make our borders more secure, and was an important step towards immigration reform. Um, I think that, well, I don't know. Like, usually when you say reform, you mean like it's getting better, but it right. seems like you reformed it to be way worse. Than yeah. It was. It's just like reform to, like, not do it like anymore. Bullshit, basically, yeah. yeah. I don't, and, like, maybe I'm just, like, a dirty commie who, mm-hmm. like, doesn't think borders and uh, imaginary lines in the should ground exist. should exist. Yeah. Because people are all just fucking people, you know? Yeah. And should be able to go anywhere and, like, on countries this are god fucking... Genuinely made up, as we can see. They're super made this. up. And, like, I, yeah, and everybody should just be able to walk wherever they fucking want because yeah. it's a fucking rock floating in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> like, but... Sorry, that's just me. Yeah, and you might just be a the dirty stupid commie. dirty commie, but yeah. you know. Was... Very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the Secure Fence Act of 2006 
uh, quote, authorizes the construction of hundreds of miles of additional fencing along our southern border, authorizes more vehicle barriers, checkpoints, and lighting to help prevent people from entering our country illegally, authorizes the Department of Homeland Security to increase the use of advanced technology like cameras, satellites, and unmanned aerial vehicles, aka drones, to reinforce our infrastructure at the border. So basically, around 2006 is when border yeah. shit started getting like really really fucked up yeah yeah um so an additional 700 miles of fencing was approved and construction on this fencing was completed in 2011 in 2006 congress had allocated 1.4 billion dollars to the project however the project cost over the next or sorry the projected cost over the next 25 years including vehicle and surveillance equipment maintenance and fence maintenance was forecasted to be about 50 billion dollars so I'm so glad that this is what we are spending our money on. Very <laughs> cool and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like who needs kids to eat breakfast right. when you can like build a giant wall be- yeah. and a fence because, you know, yeah. you're racist. Because that's never gone wrong before. Cough the wall of China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this was yet another unnecessary and racist project by the U.S. that is costing the taxpayers massive amounts of money. Yeah, we pay for a lot of racism. We it's crazy. Really do. It's crazy, and it's oh also insane that I don't get a realistic or practical say in what my tax dollars go to. Yeah, I get maybe like the barest minimum of say in like yeah. voting for who the president is and like my mm-hmm. local leaders. But at the end of the day, there's no stopping my money from going to support this (laughs) yeah right like you have no and oh my god like that's what fucking gets me is you have absolutely no allocation of where literally the money that you earned goes Mm. a b you don't even get to know like no i was talking to somebody a long time ago it's like i would love an itemized receipt oh yeah like be great of where did my like by the way what i just had to fucking pay to the federal government or maybe state no it was federal and state actually mm-hmm. so both combined governments um for simply being a fucking small business owner was over four hundred thousand dollars jesus christ mm-hmm. yeah that's insane four hundred thousand dollars no i'm sorry did you say that four thousand over four thousand dollars sorry maybe i just misheard you. i might have said it wrong I'm over four thousand dollars still though as a small business owner uh, nonetheless, I just have been drinking. So. I mean, it happened. <laughs> but yeah, and like, yeah, that's $4,000 is so much money for me. A lot. <laughs> like, well, and that's like, you're a freelance. Uh, yes. I'm blanking it. Hairstylist. Hairstylist? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. $4,000, especially all at once. Like, that's. Who has that laying around? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Insane. So. <laughs> All of this brings us to the election of 2016. Uh, We all remember Donald Trump's lofty campaign promises. Drain the swamp, end Obamacare, grow the economy, throw Mm -hmm. Hillary in prison. You know. Wait, who's Donald Trump? Oh, God. I mean, (laughs) we don't need to get it. All right. All right. I'm I'm happy you don't know. Yeah. I've I've only, yeah, like I've only really paid attention to like 2015-ish. Yeah. And I assume that uh, like another cool Democrat Mm -hmm. went into office Mm -hmm. and like, I really like uh, hip, relatable like Democrat. Like a hip, relatable. Like I'm pretty sure. I mean, if I had to guess, I'm pretty sure Bernie Sanders won two years in a row, right? Totally. <laughs> totally, babe. It's so, yeah. No, you're so right. It's crazy. I'm just going to tuck him dead. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. about the last four years. Um. Okay. 
But of course, uh, one of Trump's most memorable uh, campaign promises was to create an impenetrable, physical, tall, beautiful, powerful southern border <laughs> wall. <laughs> So many adjectives in there. I love that. Uh, Um, Which is like literally verbatim what he said about it. Crazy. It sounds like he's describing like a really buff dude that you want to like sleep. Like I feel like if I was to be like, I feel like if I was describing like, I want to get dicked down by like a tall, powerful, Powerful, beautiful, beautiful, (laughs) like (laughs) it's like uh, that episode of SpongeBob when he takes Pearl to prom and he's like tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah, exactly. On a tall, dark, and handsome wall. Mm-hmm. Straight up. <laughs> um, and he promised uh, not only this, but that the impenetrable wall would be paid for by Mexico themselves and not by American citizens. Oh, yeah. I forgot about <laughs> yeah. that. I forgot. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Uh, note that the president of Mexico at this time, Vincente Fox, compared Trump to Hitler and said, quote, I'm not going to pay for that fucking wall. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Why would he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, while the border wall had already existed and construction on this wall had been happening under several administrations, it was Trump's veracity for the wall and the way he spoke about Mexican immigrants that ignited the anger in Mexican and American citizens. Uh, for perspective here, I have some quotes for you from Donald Trump concerning this wall and his feelings toward Mexican immigrants. I'm probably going to try and do the Trump voice for just, like, one of them, because I don't know if I'm that good at it. <laughs> I would build a very great wall, and nobody builds walls better than me. Believe me, and I'll build them very inexpensively. I will build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I'll have Mexico pay for that wall. Okay, that's that was it. pretty, that's good. Was that pretty was, good. I liked it. But... I got to work on that. It was, I mean, you don't have far to go. <laughs> Phoebe is the, uh, like, the impression and accent yeah, person. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, next one. We're going to build a wall, folks. We're going to build a wall. That wall will go up so fast your head will spin. <laughs> <laughs> woo It's so stupid. It's so dumb. I just can't, uh, like, it's so crazy. So, like, it's wild to me because Donald Trump was, like, <laughs> Taylor, Close my laptop. <laughs> Donald Trump was like so good at talking, but had nothing to like back it up. Yeah. And I feel like Hillary Clinton, for all of the mistakes she had, she had like a fuck ton of policy. Yeah. But was terrible at talking. Yeah. Like I feel like if they had yeah. like combined, if they had like Dragon Ball Z fucking fusion danced <laughs> and like become one person, yeah. They would have been like the ultimate fascist leader because right. like holy shit, they were like yeah. two sides of the same coin it's yeah. crazy and it's like he's not even it's not even that he's that good at talking because he he for people like us like he sounds really fucking stupid but he's very good at like commanding a crowd yeah right? exactly yeah he's Ugh. charismatic at first totally people, I guess. and he's like he's good at like using these buzzwords that like riles up mm-hmm. certain people yeah. and stuff like that and he's good at like He's very good at, like, dodging an actual question mm-hmm. or dodging, like, saying anything, actually. Yeah, it's just, and it's, he's just, like, he relies <laughs> on that, like, macho man attitude of right. being, like, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do it good. We're going to get down to it's business. Gonna be the best. It's I'm gonna the, be best the best at doing anything ever. Exactly. Nobody's better than me at doing yeah. this thing. Exactly. And it's, like, it's just that very much, like, you'd, like, 
you know, it's it's just I feel like it's when your dad is talking about something <laughs> that he really doesn't know anything about, but like he just is good at like the buzzwords of being like it's all about discipline and getting the job done and you're like dad what does that mean though like that wasn't even the question he's like discipline getting the job job done done. loyalty nobody has loyalty these days and it's like what are you talking about exactly oh my god (laughs) yeah trump is just like the like the aging dad of the country oh yeah oh yeah 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 um okay i got a couple more quotes for you This wall will be 10 feet taller, and every time they protest, it's going to go up a little bit higher. How would he do that? That's it. Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> Are you going to build don't more? know the physics of, like, how walls work, I don't think. No, he just yeah. thinks it's going to, like, magically grow. Like, the wall's yeah. going to be like, fuck you. Right? Or it's like... Or he's just, like, being really poetic, and he's like, yeah. every yeah. protest, the wall gets a little bit taller between <laughs> us. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He says, when Mexico sends its people, they're not sending the best. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Love it. To which he had to follow up by saying, I think the Mexicans are going to end up loving Donald Trump. Jeez. Oh, and last but not least, maybe the worst. Who's to really say? We have people coming into the country or trying to come in. We're stopping a lot of them, but we're taking people out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people. These are animals. Whoa. Mm. That's some fucking, like, fascist Nazi Yeah, that's, speak, like, dude. straight like, up, like... Dehumanizing. Dehumanizing, shit. exactly, which we've talked about before. Yeah. Um, And it was quotes like these, among many other things Trump did to disparage Mexicans and Mexican immigrants, uh, that inspired many people to take their anger out in the form of art. Which brings me to the exhibits that Taylor and I saw in the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. (laughs) That was my, like, NPR transition song. It's like a... We should get, like, a Fuller House uh, or, like, a Full (gasps) House little thing where it's, like, starring Taylor and Phoebe. <laughs> it like catches us yes. like in a candid thing where yes. I'm like making dinner and I'm like, oh uh. no. <laughs> <laughs> or I would love like some Hannah, Montra- Hannah Montana transitions. Oh, it's for like, sure. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if I can find those and if we would get sued for using them right. on. I bet we could find ones that are very similar that are like not yeah, licensed. That we could like buy um, royalty free. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I'll just like do an, them. I'll sing them. A for 90s you. or like early 2000s sitcom yeah. uh, transition. <laughs> <laughs> or like whenever we're talking about something really like really crappy, a crowd yeah. being like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. We could get a laugh track for the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be really funny, I think. Well, I think so, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, we got we to gotta fucking take an ad break. We got to so take a little break. Crack skis. open another white He's got to crack open a white claw. I got to slow down. <laughs> I've only had two, though, so. But have you eaten dinner? That's true. I have not eaten dinner. There you go. So That'll get you. That's, that's always the, the kicker there. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. All right, folks, we are back skis. We're backaroony. Backaroony and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I found at Harmon's the other day 
chow cheese like mac and cheese frozen dinners oh shit yeah it, it looks like it's gonna fucking slap i've not yeah. had it yet but all right all right tell me how it is because i will i want to it try sounds it. really good it sounds like it would fuck because i honestly i miss microwave mac and cheese oh yeah it was just good sometimes like the stofers like, oh my god i used to like eat that when i was a vegetarian i used to eat that shit for lunch like every day <laughs> When I was a preschool teacher, which, you know, most people don't know about I've me. I've never like, heard this about you. Exactly. Like, I used to teach preschool, uh, and when I would eat lunch in between my preschool classes, mm-hmm. uh, I would eat a lot of Stouffer's macaroni and cheese. Delicious. I loved Emily's comment on your, like, Facebook post know, about that. that. Funny. Where they were Granted, like... Granted, that was a memory. <laughs> I know. It was really funny. Where they were like, oh, you were a preschool teacher? I never knew. I never knew that about you. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> It was very formative years of my life, so I just talk about it a I lot. Mean, not, we're all just giving you shit. We oh, love I know, it. I know. We love not, it. I know there's no heart, like, <laughs> malintent. Like, oh my fucking God, Taylor. If you talk about being a preschool teacher <laughs> one more goddamn time. Lol. Oh my God. Uh, so, getting into um, some of these pieces that I saw about the border wall at the Museum of Modern Art. Uh, so... Um, Real San Fratello is sort of like an architecture firm. It's hmm. like an architecture art firm. It's honestly <laughs> hard to say because their bio was really weird. Um, I hate to say this, but they had sort of a pretentious bio that makes it very difficult to suss out what they really do. Makes um, sense. <laughs> yeah. They were like, something, something. We're a collective of this. We're an atelier. I was like, like Yeah. They're it. like, we cultivate vibes. Yeah, like. <laughs> literally. Um, and they created several border wall-inspired projects that were featured in the SF MoMA. Reunite, as I saw it in the MoMA, is a road sign depicting a mother and father running towards their little girl who is running towards them. Taylor, I will pull up this little picture. Yes. For you to view. I think I recall. Here's what it looks like. Yes, I mm-hmm. did see that. Uh, painted with simple lines in black on a yellow background made to evoke the road signs that you would see on highways near the U.S.-Mexico border depicting a mother and a father dragging their child and running. <clears throat> this large... Sorry, I had to clear my throat. This large yellow sign with the running immigrant family and the word caution at the top was created to alert drivers to look out for migrant families who may be running across the highway. These signs were seen as necessary due to the amount of deaths caused by drivers accidentally hitting people running across these highways, um, which is obviously a horrible tragedy, and drivers should be alerted that people are running across the road, but the way yeah. that these signs were drawn, and I, I don't know, it just... I'll get into it a little bit more, but... All right. um, so, Real San Fratello created Reunite, which began as... Over 150 billboards all across America and eventually scaled down to road sign size to be presented in museums. Um, And so the placard in the moment next to this piece reads, quote, reimagine, (laughs) sorry, reunite, reimagined a California Department of Transportation sign created in 1990 to warn motorists of migrants crossing the highway. Ten signs depicting two parents and a child with the word caution were placed along interstates immediately north of the U.S.-Mexico border. The sign became an icon of anti-immigrant sentiment, and the last one was removed in 2018. 
Rael Sanfratello reorients the figures to, so- to show the child running towards the parents, critiquing family separation at the border and inviting viewers to reflect on the trials of immigration. As Rael states, their sign presents the, quote, story of the relationships that we should be mending and a reminder that we should be redes- that we should be designing a reunited states and not a divided states. Um, so as it kind of said in that blurb that the, the original sign with the caution and the family running across became sort of this like anti-immigration symbol. Um, so while they like, while this sign was important to have to warn people not to fucking hit these people trying to flee their country, um, it did eventually turn into something more sinister. So, um, also i'm being real haters on these people that created these works of art so sorry not sorry but i'm sorry but a reunited states not a divided states i'm just like shut the fuck up it's a little like i don't know i mean it's very like dem like like so uh dem social liberal like like why don't we just like why don't like a republican and like the democrats like just sit down and have a beer with each other and like talk it out and it's just, it's very much that energy where it's like, I'm not going to sit down and have a beer with someone who thinks I shouldn't have rights, yeah, you know? Like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, we're not reuniting. Like, it's just, yeah, they're we're- ripping families apart. Like, it's a little deeper than it's, that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sorry, San Rael. Rael San Fratello, but anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and so this entire exhibit with these several different pieces about the border wall, um, it's called Drawing the Line, and it's described by the MoMA like this, quote, Much like the policy and geography that define it, the line drawn between Mexico and the United States is malleable, literally shifting with time. Architecture firm Real San Fratello has spent over a decade questioning the idea of the border and focusing on the evolving contexts of urbanism in borderlands, conceived in part as exercises in political subversion through design, Drawing the line, Rael San, Frit- San Fratello at the U.S.-Mexico border responds to the consequences of ostensibly permanent boundaries with imperm- fucking these fancy words with impermanent histories for cultures and communities at the border. Taken as a whole, the projects shown here offer a conceptual dismantling of the border wall, usurping its meaning, reforming its identity, and stripping away its political power. So, anyway, Long quote. that's how, <laughs> yeah, that's how the MoMA describes what this um, exhibit was. Mm-hmm. It's, again, it's a lot of, like, art museum jargon. Um, but basically what they're saying is that, like, they've, you know, creating these pieces have, like, overturned the meaning of what this border wall really means. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um. And so seeing now through my research uh, that the creators of this exhibit is some slightly pretentious, possibly an architecture firm, but we're too edgy to want to put a label on who they are, um, cast my feelings about these pieces in a little bit of a new light. Um, Who knows if a Mexican immigrant was even consulted on these pieces or for this exhibit? The website for Real San Fratello doesn't list the names of the artists that worked on these projects and simply states that they were created by Real San Fratello. Uh, this could open up a whole other conversation about the art world, about galleries and art museums, about how inaccessible they are to artists with less money, yeah. or how large works of art are used for money laundering for the rich. 
um, or how inaccessible art, art museums, art critiquing, and making a living off of art is inaccessible to the general public. But that's a conversation for another episode. I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes... Like, one thing that I've been, like, frustrated about lately, not to go on too big of a tangent, but, <laughs> well, it's what we do, but <laughs> is, like, it's no, it's not, like, a secret, like, everybody knows, like, the housing market in Salt Lake is fucked, yeah. especially if you're trying to live, like, downtown, mm-hmm. and it's very frustrating to me because the people who, like, work downtown and make art that is, like, commonly consumed downtown can't even afford to live downtown exactly so we're all like gonna be driving downtown to do the art for the rich ass motherfuckers to enjoy who can afford to live downtown exactly and it's just very like i don't know it's that same kind of idea where it's like it's it's pretentious in the way that like oh like it's you know a gallery is nice but like are you featuring local artists local artists who are people of color local you know whatever it is like like actually impacted by exactly like these things that you're maybe not creating and i know it's the museum of modern art it's kind of like a bigger institution but nonetheless but i mean but again it's like it's on these bigger institutions to be like raising the voices of the people who are less privileged you would think right yeah you would think that you would want to, but yeah. yeah. But you know, you're a massive art institution. So massive art institution, almost a corporation in a yeah, way. Essentially, like, you're just—I mean, it's it's money laundering, and we it's a business. Get way more into that. <laughs> later, but that's, again, Maybe we will someday. Episode. Um, nevertheless, these works um, evoked an emotion in me enough for me to document them and look back on them now. So, moving forward with this whole thing um so one of the other pieces that i have now discovered was also created by rael sanfratello that intrigued me was the board er wall game note the spelling of board er which is board and then in parentheses er because it's a board game um the board er wall game is quite literally a board game with metal playing pieces several decks of colored cards and a board that folds up in the middle to create a wall between the two sides Taylor, I will show you a little picture. Please do. I do think I recall seeing this Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, no, I do remember. Okay, okay. And then I can slide one more where you can kind of see better, like how there is actually like a physical, like, wall type of thing in the middle. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Which I thought was creative. Um, Very. So, uh,. On the left is a Mexican flag at the end of the board, presumably maybe as the starting point. And on the right, the American flag is on the other end, maybe as the finishing point to the game. I don't know. I scoured the internet for details on how the game is played or for any additional research on this piece, but I honestly came up with nothing. Even, yeah, it, it was really weird. I Even on the Real San Fratello website, it's not listed under their creations tab. So maybe hmm. they decided it was, like, too cringy. I don't know. I guess, yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Not sure. Um, perhaps the most pretentious and tone-deaf project of Real Sanfratello is the teeter-totter wall. Real Sanfratello, uh, their website describes the project like this, quote, The trade and labor relationships between the U.S. and Mexico are in delicate balance. Mexicans throng to the U.S. to find work, but often long to live comfortably in their own country. 
U.S. industry and agriculture is dependent upon immigrant labor pools, yet the Department of Homeland Security, Border Patrol, uh, and Immigration and Naturalization Services has made it increasingly difficult to attract foreign labor. The teeter-totter wall demonstrates the delicate balances between the, new, the two nations. Which, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best way to describe what's going on between the U.S. and Mexico. Yeah, well, and it's like, I guess it's not like, they're not like wrong in what they're saying. You know, sure. there is like some, like, you know, American agriculture does rely on immigrant workers and different 100%. things like that. But yes. it's, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's it's strange the term because it seems like the power dynamic isn't like a teeter-totter. It's more like yeah. us being like the world superpower and yeah. kind of like I mean we're we're notorious for bullying other countries. Sorry, Moonshine's got She's zoomies. Crazy. She's got big zoomies right now. <laughs> and yeah, and I don't know, I just I think it's more it's it's less about what's going on with the trade industry between the two countries and more about how the United States is like literally putting Mexican immigrants in concentration camps. I don't True. know. But anyway, here's what this looks like. <laughs> oh, yes, I do recall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So I will tell you in a moment what we're looking at here. Uh, so the Design Museum in London gave the teeter-totter wall the Beasley Design of the Year Award, which is presented to projects that show powerful messages of change. The website for the Design Museum does tell me that Riel Sanfratello did actually work with a Mexican designer on this project. Uh, maybe only because they literally had to, because half of it is in it Mexico. Is in Mexico, yeah. <laughs> Beyond the border, so they can't get over there. Uh, the designer's name is not listed on the Design Museum website, and the involvement of this Mexican designer isn't even mentioned at all on the RSF website. So, that's really cool. Yeah, that's just so strange, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he... I feel like with art, especially, like, credit is such a big yes. deal, you know? Yeah. Like, and they don't anywhere for any of these pieces or any of the other pieces that this firm has put together, they don't list any of the artists. Weird. Like, it's just under Rael Sanfratello, which is, by the way, it's created by these two people. Um, I never wrote down their names, and honestly, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but some someone, Rael, and then somebody else, Sanfratello, and they got Makes together sense. and they created this thing. Um. But yeah, but it's all just listed under their two last names, which is kind of yeah, it just is a little stupid. a little weird because it's like I don't know. Again, like credit and yeah. notoriety is such a big thing in the art world mm-hmm. that I'm surprised that they don't at least put like fine print of who did it. You right. know, I don't know. Yeah. Eh. So, um, (laughs) the teeter-totter wall was an installation at the border wall of three large bright pink beams stuck between the slats of the border fence with bicycle seats on either side. These beams were installed to work as teeter-totters with one seat on each side of the border. Does that make sense? Am I describing that well? I think you got it. Great. For all of 20 whole minutes, by the way... Mexicans and Americans were invited to play with each other through the wall before the installation was deconstructed and lugged back to a crisp white gallery somewhere in California. So literally, this fucking installation went up for, and actually in the article that I was reading, less than 20 minutes, they put these fucking teeter-totters in, cute little Mexican children and cute little American children came, played teeter-totter with each other on either side of the fucking border, the the fucking violent-ass border, and then they packed it up and they left and went they back got, to their comfortable California Yeah, homes. I was gonna say, got their uh, good Insta photos. Oh, and I am about to fucking get <laughs> into that. 
Yeah, that's oof. That's just such a that's so like such a bad look. Like why oh wouldn't you God. leave them there? Like Yeah. Yeah. Which and I don't know the semantics of all of it. Maybe there was some kind of like legality, but again, it's like if you're going to be creating art that is like a protest about the border wall, then you shouldn't be caring about the legality of that's, leaving this fucking stupid ass pink teeter totter. Exactly what we were talking about. Yes. Like if you're trying to disrupt yep disrupt you yeah know? like this is yeah. so fucking performative you're like oh let's put this up for 20 minutes and it'll be a cute thing and then we'll pack it up so nobody gets in trouble yeah fuck you stupid <laughs> sorry Rayleigh. Nah, sorry actually fuck you anyway um calm down phoebe <laughs> i didn't get more riled up phoebe okay actually. i will I'm, I'm here i will actually because i'm about to everybody loves riled up that's phoebe, true so. <laughs> they do that's why you're here that's why you're here <laughs> Anyway, so as I was saying, most of the participants in this 20-minute fucking playtime were young, adorable children who were likely arranged to be the participants of this. Um, An article on artnews.com by Max Pearl sums up my feelings about this piece pretty well. So I'm going to quote him um, just because I feel like he's very well spoken about this. The duo, which is referring to the two people mm-hmm. that created Real San Fertile, the duo's video of teeter-totter wall seems engineered to go viral. With its upbeat message, bright palette, and easy-to-grasp concept, it's irresistible to liberal centrist do-gooders. Importantly, it involves adorable children with missing baby teeth smiling at the camera. That cuteness makes it great for social media, but these kids are too young to understand the significance of the border fence, or at least its more abstract function, as something more than a metal divider. Their innocence makes our guilt more acute. Because as adults in a democracy, we have the means to tear the fence down, but we're too lazy or too inept. Ultimately, the conceit of this project is that we're powerless to do anything meaningful about the way this country treats migrants. If we could affect substantial change, why would we content? Why would we content ourselves with something so purely symbolic as this? Very true. Yeah. So I mean, that pretty much sums up my whole feelings. It's like yeah. you you're doing nothing it's just it's something to make you feel nice like oh we created this little playground for the kids that were literally forcing to stay out of our country in an extremely violent way um and also they're literal children who cannot conceptualize what this border wall actually means they just Mm -hmm. think they're having fun and again we're putting this up for less than 20 minutes so we can like feel warm in our hearts so we can feel good about ourselves basically it's very it's very like black screen tuesday during the uh mm. black lives matter mm-hmm. protest vibes where it's yeah. just like you posted a black you square posted a back black square to what feel good about yeah. yourself for like, a day what like, is what is that doing for anyone it's exactly at all. like it doesn't it's not yeah i don't know and it's like maybe maybe the sentiment behind this piece could have been like could have actually had some kind of impact if it was still there so that these children could interact with each other through this wall and actually maybe have conversations with each other about the lives that they're living and question why there's a wall between them at all but no you only gave them this allotted amount of time so they couldn't like less than 20 minutes into what's actually going on here it's just like hee hee this is a fun thing exactly yeah Mm. again very much like the idea of like we have an art piece that's supposed to make you think yes or make you like a call to action mm-hmm. versus doing something and making art about what you're doing exactly like it's exactly the, that's like the whole difference in what we're seeing here exactly like, yeah. i mean which it worked out so perfectly our two things that's are crazy. Yeah. so beautifully dichotomized of yeah. each other 
Um, this is another quote from Max Pearl, who wrote that article. Quote, with its spectacle of sentimentality, Teeter Totterwolf fails to provide any insight about who might be responsible for this tragedy, who benefits from it, and how we got here as a country. As John Berger once wrote in an essay on war photography, these types of artistic gestures accuse nobody and everybody. They provide evidence of the general human condition rather than identifying causes. That's what makes Teeter Totterwall so shareable on social media. Nobody, not even the vigilantes patrolling the desert looking for migrants to murder, could find it controversial. Exactly. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't created to offend or to upset or to disrupt. It was created to be like, again, like what you were saying. It's like a, it's like a fucking, um, I don't know, like just a thing to make you feel good for a second. Yeah. You look at it and you're like, oh, Look at these cute kids. It's almost, it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's the same as like all this good news bullshit that like people post on like Facebook where it's like teachers, uh, students pool their money together and do a fundraiser Mm -hmm. for their teacher who has cancer and can't afford it. And it's like, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. You're missing the point. Yeah. It's it's, it's these, it's these trauma porn articles where, yeah, exactly as you were saying, or it's like little boy with, physical disabilities or whatever creates a lemonade stand to pay for his medical bills and it's like oh that's so sweet no you're fucking missing the point which is this little fucking kid (laughs) can't get the medical care that he needs and so he himself a child has to create something to get himself medical care it's exactly that you're looking at this thing you're like oh look these these children on the other side of the border while are playing mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. That's not the that's not what that's matters. What matters wrong. here is that there's a fucking border wall between two yeah. countries that are literally made up, also on land that we stole via violence from these people. Yeah, I'm getting absolutely. So upset. Mm. It's yeah, no, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my part this week turned out a little bit more cynical than I had originally intended. Uh, But through my research, it just became clearer and clearer to me how thoughtless and virtue signaling these pieces really were. Much like the infographic watercolor Instagrammable quotes or the black square about black lives mattering, Mm -hmm. these art pieces are about as effective in amounting change as those posts are. They give you a sense of accomplishment and complacency while doing literally nothing to help the muse who suffered and continues to suffer to inspire this art. Making you feel bad for as long as it takes to hit share and then being able to clap the dust off your hands once it's posted to your story and say, well, that's enough activism for today. It's, yep, that's, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know. I saw this tweet once that was really funny. It was like, Instagram infographics have me setting boundaries with my cat. <laughs> and exactly. I thought that was exactly like. Exactly. The, so much time and energy goes into this like, Instagram infographics mm-hmm. spreading awareness thing mm-hmm. that again you go to a protest and you see like 30 people there and it's like yep Instagram infographics aren't disrupting the system no being it's... at a protest and fucking something up yeah getting <laughs> causing a ruckus as I said earlier yes is a going ruckus. is going to like fucks you know is going to actually make a difference you know yeah and i mean i could fucking go on about instagram activism but as i've said for like the third or fourth time now that's a conversation for another episode but also which again i will quell this for now until we have another time to actually fully talk about this but like 
literally not fucking joking, not being a conspiracy theorist here. Literally so many of these Instagram fucking things mm-hmm. that are shared onto people's pages are made it's it's fucking ops. It's fucking yeah. FBI people making up shit for you to be upset about within yeah. the leftist circle so we continue to fight with each other. It's I literally I'm not fucking kidding you. I saw one one time that was about why pegging is a term that we shouldn't use because something 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 about the patriarchy and gender and this and that and I was like you ha- this has you have to be kidding me. This has to be satirical. You have to stop. <laughs> this has to be satirical and it fucking it's not satirical. Yeah. And I'm like all you oh god. All you people are doing is you see something and you and it has the right buzzwords to make you share it on your Instagram story mm-hmm. so you feel like you're fucking doing something powerful. But all you are doing is continuing to tear us apart more than we already are. Every time you share one of these fucking Instagram if- infographics without fully <laughs> reading what it is, without yeah. actually researching into what it's about and actually doing something instead of just sharing something to your Instagram story to make you feel good, you are actively contributing to why we have fucking the issues that we have today i swear to god so fucking stop (laughs) and you know what else fucking stop shaming people for not sharing these stupid ass fucking infographics on their fucking instagram stories because here's the thing the people that are taking the time to share this fucking shit on their instagram story aren't doing jack shit and the people that are actually out there feeding the homeless fucking putting shit together to make sure that w- that people with uteruses can still have abortions, they're not posting about it on fucking Instagram. So grow up, get off the internet, and actually fucking do something to help us. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Absolutely. I got so mad. It's okay. No, I'm here for it. It makes me crazy. And I, I'm, I could literally do a whole fucking episode about this because yeah. this has grown over the past couple of years to completely well, destroy the movements that we had going. Yeah. I mean, well, it's like I saw a bunch of shit when it, when it happened with that fucking stupid Black Lives Matter black square thing. Yep. It's like literally, okay, you're a million people are going to post a black square, yeah. which is going to literally silence every fucking exactly. conversation that's going to happen. You can't tell me that's exactly. not a fucking psyop. You cannot yes. tell me that was not some. F- it was. It's, it it had was. to be. Because like, why Why else would they do that? Yep. Why else would that become a yep. thing that we were all going to do? Exactly. It's, and that's the same thing with like 90% of this yeah. fucking shit that you see. It's a fucking psyop. Mm-hmm. Please open your eyes. Please. Please. And read into shit before you share it on your fucking stupid ass Instagram story. <laughs> and also, yeah. we got to be done after this. Also... Five fucking people sharing the exact same goddamn post on their Instagram story to each other because they have followers who have similar views to each other isn't going to do anything. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Again, wow. please organize. Yes. Uh, do, again, you know, it's it's one thing to be like, yes, these are bad, but yeah. there are so many other things you can do. You can organize. Mm-hmm. You can, again, start feeding the hungry. Mm-hmm. Do mutual aid, do all yes. the shit that, you know, everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. Just go out there and actually do it. Even fucking going out and, like, giving out literature and, like, things yeah. to read about. Yes. There is... Probably better than Instagram infographics. Exactly. There's, like, the most minimal things that you can do that will actually make an impact. Like, for instance, like, fucking 
free breakfast yeah. like the back black exactly. panthers exactly which i get that that can be a lot to organize so i don't know driving to mcdonald's and getting 10 mcchickens and passing them yeah. out to your local like encampment um even fucking yeah. a friend who's homesick with covid venmoing them 20 bucks so they can get doordash or dropping them off food at their house yeah. or growing a garden in your backyard and giving vegetables to your friends or whatever or people yeah. that need food like there is totally the tiniest things that you can do that are actually extremely impactful and will be worlds more impactful yeah. than your stupid fucking instagram a or thing. pink teeter totter <laughs> yeah a huge thing like uh, I went to one of the homeless encampments here um, in Salt Lake and I went to like Savers and bought a bunch of like suitcases and right. just like went and handed them out to people because That's like a great one. How are they going to move? Especially if there's like police harassing yeah. them who are going to like uh, make them relocate. Like how are they going to move all their shit? Right. Just buying a bunch of suitcases and handing them out to people. Yeah. Like that's literally. And it that's was, like huge. Thirty dollars for yeah. like a bunch of yeah. savers suitcases. Like it's it's really not. You just have to like yep. go out and do it. It's yeah. not even that difficult. You just have to like be like, I'm gonna go do it. Right. <laughs> because I think like the thought of organizing, or when people use the term organizing, mm-hmm. it sounds so daunting. Yeah. And I get that because I feel the same way sometimes. It's just like fuck. Like I don't know. I don't know how to organize people. Yeah, like whatever. Like, what does that mean? But yeah. literally, it's like get a group of your friends together and. Yeah, buy some shit from Savers exactly. or make a little food together and go give it out or whatever. Like, you, it doesn't have to be this giant organization. It doesn't have yeah. to be Black Panthers level. We hope that would be cool, but like, start small. Yeah. Start with whatever start you with can whatever do. You can and do. I promise that's enough. Yeah, absolutely. No, you said it the best. And get off Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, maybe chill out on the social media <laughs> activism because uh, I have a, I've, Twitter leftists have, had enough. have really <laughs> discouraged me. <laughs> uh, oh my god! All I right. think that's was that all uh, all that you had. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 done. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, Phoebe, where can I? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've just told you to get off Instagram, uh, where can I view some of these pictures? <laughs> Uh, you can look at our stupid fucking pictures on our stupid fucking Instagram at Remarks Podcast. Um, <laughs> I Lol. promise we will never post a stupid infographic, and please don't share a stupid infographic True. if we ever do. And also, if we do, shoot us in the heads. Yeah, um, <laughs> murder us on the. But spot. if you want to look at pictures that pertain to this episode that you just listened to, check out our Instagram at Remarks Podcast. You can also go to our tiktok which has like three videos at remarks podcast taylor mm-hmm. tell us about twitter uh, stuff twitter twitter.com is at remarks pod i do some tweeting every <laughs> now and again now and then um but you can also leave us a review on apple Podcasts, five stars please mm-hmm. and um i have a youtube channel called the lefty agenda you can also check out the videos mm-hmm, there mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then a mm-hmm. huge Oh, and then you can also subscribe, subscribe to, to our, our Patreon. Patreon, $5 a month, mm-hmm. the cool little guy yes. subscription yeah, that's right. <laughs> is the name of it. That. Which, by the way, we will fucking actually reallocate those funds into our community to like do good things. Yeah, we will absolutely. actually use the money that we have from this podcast to like help people instead of... For sure. We'll, I don't know. We can donate the money. I like... Neither of us like need the money. No. So like we can d- donate that money. We can go out and buy. Like honestly, if you subscribe to the Patreon 
and you're giving us the money, tell us what you want us to yeah. do with it. Like exactly. I mean, fuck. Speaking of, <laughs> this is like a long tail end of this episode. Oh, but it's fine. Who cares? <laughs> speaking of, like what we were saying with taxes and everything. If you want your money that you give to us each month to like go to something, like you're giving us this shit. Tell us what you want us to do with it. Yeah, and if it's not something sure. evil, like we're down. You know? <laughs> for sure. I'm not going to like push an old lady into the road or something. But <laughs> yeah, but I, if you're like, hey, I would like my five dollars this month to like go to buying a fucking McChicken or whatever to give to a person that doesn't have a place to live or money to buy food. Done. Yeah. Done instantly. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Anyway. But speaking of, thank you to our patrons. Uh, Today Soltero. Woo. Andrew Vass. Emily Doran and Justin Vass. Thank, Thank you God. so much. You're the best. We love you. And we're about to record a bonus episode right now for you to listen to. Yeah, exactly. And it be very funny. So. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be good. Yeah, anyway, yeah. We love all of you. <sighs> Thanks for letting me scream. And <laughs> K, love you. you. Bye. Bye.